Welcome to another episode of TNT. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is our show. It's called TNT. Uh, I'm Tim and he's Ton. Uh, what we do every month is we explore and celebrate the art of the full-length album, um, something that we believe has been lost in our digital and algorithmically oriented uh, musical landscape that we're all you know, trying to, trying to keep our heads above water in. Um, so each month, we'll take you through uh, an album. We'll dig into its story and uncover its impact on society and time. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tim Lessick, and with me as always is Tom Nguyen. How's it going? In <laughs> uh, today's show, we're going back to 1970. We did 1970 last show as well, if you recall. We're going back. There's another album we got it to. Uh, we're going to focus today on someone who Martin Luther King Jr. famously called the queen of American folk music and who influenced a generation of musicians throughout her career. Uh, today, we're talking about the album Odetta Sings by Odetta. And to start us off, we're going to hear the fourth track on the album, Hit or Miss. say be everybody else can't you see Builds and builds and builds. It gets like cooler as, the, as it Did goes on. Chart? Did that chart on the billboard? Or? I have no idea, actually. Someone should really make a show that researches that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might be our show, actually. <laughs> 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 uh, exposing the cracks right off the bat. Tom, how are we doing? 
I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> just trying to, you know, get through it today. Oh boy, all the yeah. all the, it's it's not the heat; it's the humidity, you know. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> um, so hot. this album, I gotta say, I was surprised. Um, so the way that I've, I have you ever heard of Odetto prior to this? I actually haven't. No, you let's, sent let's me, start. Let's start there. You sent me a little gem that I was not really aware of for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, it never yeah, really crossed my path. Like folk music is not really my thing. I don't listen to folk music. Like I said, mm-hmm. with the Neil Young show, it's it's not really that. I know bits and pieces here and there, but like, yeah, this is it. it but I could get into it later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I've totally. never heard of this album until now. Yeah, until for this show. Totally. I don't know how you uh, heard about it, but much much the same way with you in folk music. I I certainly have no deep foundation in a <laughs> so I, yeah, I, know, I love I this show i love this show we're really putting the credits <laughs> behind us right now <laughs> yeah we're really approaching it with, with fresh eyes we're, yeah. we're enthusiastic you know we're we're eager that's all that's all yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh all the new listeners but how did off. you you sent it to me when so we're, I heard about it. You sent it to me. So. I heard about Odetta from our last guest, Dennis Candy. Okay. okay. He said, you know, oh, you guys are doing like a folk series. He's like, have you ever listened to this woman, Odetta? And I said, Dennis, I've never even heard of Odetta. You got to <laughs> tell, do your own tell show, me more. Dennis. You got to <laughs> do your own show, man. <laughs> no, <Nah>, fuck him. <laughs> you can come on our show if he wants to talk. <laughs> oh, we love it, Dennis. You can come back. Um, Great so yeah, Dennis. Dennis told me about this home run recommendation. Um, and it turns out, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, well known as, as one of the, you know, many, uh, pillars of folk music in America. Um, so much so that Martin Luther King dubbed her that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it, it's crazy though, because like, you know, I feel like I've heard about every other, not every right. other, obviously, but like you hear about Joni and Joan yeah. and Carly and Bob yeah. and Pete and like all these people, right? Yeah. Uh, but turns out Odetta influenced almost all of them. Right. Even <laughs> so, like Tom Jones. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He covered, I think he covered Hit or Miss at one yeah. point. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't know how this one slipped. But it's, also, what was interesting, it's an album from 1970 that he recommended. He didn't do, I don't know if he asked you or he recommended this specific album or you just picked the album, but this one's 1970. She's been around for a bit. Yeah, she'd been around um, this is like for a, a, a good 20 years. You know, I would say this is like a veteran album, maybe. Yeah. Or one of the early veteran albums. You know, and not, she's released. Not, and similar to after the gold rush our last episode not yeah. a pure not a pure folk album by any means but you can no, hear it no, no. you can yeah, hear exactly. it all the way through which is yeah, really interesting I, i'm glad that you mentioned that because it's i don't hear folk maybe one or two songs are very folky and guitar-y yeah acoustically analog you know space you can hear the space but i yeah. heard blues and i heard rhythm sections and mm-hmm. i heard like piano stabs and chords and stuff so yeah really interesting yeah totally yeah um and I listened to like one of her other albums that like was from 1954 or something. Um, mm. And that was very folky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, in retrospect, would we have done a more folky version of it? I don't know. But after Gold Rush was 1970, as is this. So yeah, it's no, a nice... this deserves a spot for sure. Yeah, I totally. Think, I think the, <laughs> this era was just interesting. Obviously, mm-hmm. the era, people who grew up in this era and they're, you know, 20s 30s or whatever 40s were revolutionary in a sense and they're kind of on their way out i guess mm, you know at this yeah. time in age so yeah uh she passed away in 2009 i think uh yeah That's i think 2008 yeah 2008 yeah 2008. So, so um born in 1930 in birmingham alabama yeah and kind of grew up in the city or died passed away in the city and moved to la and then she was in, in school and I don't know, I guess it was a gift, but also somebody else recognized that gift where mm-hmm. she and her mother kind of came together and got her into some voice lessons, which is yeah, really- a teacher when she was 10 kind of recognized that she had some sort of, you know, something there in terms of having a singing voice. So yeah, then- it's, it's usually somebody's own 
I think in a, a YouTube interview that I was watching earlier said something that there was an authority that told her or told her mother that she had a voice therefore they took took lessons and it wasn't usually some artists are like oh something within me she knew she could sing but it wasn't like right she mentioned there's a quote out there somewhere about she would never sing in like the Met opera or something this is a little bit later but oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so <laughs> uh she didn't she didn't really see herself as a singer or a certain type of person like she but this is something that she just gravitated towards and kept on going and the cards dealt her that and yeah she totally that. she began she was like a classically trained singer really from right. from uh yeah. you know from the age of 13 on is um you know where her training really started um, yeah she picked up like classical vocal lessons mm -hmm. so she, in 44 so she was 14 made her debut yeah. professional debut in a in a theater as part of like an ensemble cast mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then while she was in a touring company as part of a musical called finian's rainbow the classic mm -hmm. finian's rainbow <laughs> um so 1949 she was 19 um she basically fell into you know kind of some beat people you know uh who yeah she was uh pre-beatnik yeah this is pre-beatnik this is pre like uh Thelonious and all that which is mm -hmm. so interesting because i you you know you always hear about these big eras of music that like you know are somehow webbed together but this is the one web that like I haven't it's a good connection like folk music into like this beatnik era so it's a good segue into like the, the etymology of this her her yeah. whole ecosystem of life I guess <laughs> yeah no totally and you know not for nothing in terms of its relation to beat culture I mean she really kind of got into it in San Francisco so it, it is very fitting in terms of that whole scene and how it developed um she said to NPR in 2005, she said, school taught me how to count and taught me mm -hmm. how to put a sentence together. But as far as the human spirit goes, I learned that through folk music. So she really had a, had a fondness for this. It really changed something fundamentally in her. Um, as far yeah. as, you know, as far as we can tell, given the, the, the trajectory her career took and, you know, the, the sheer number of years she dedicated to this. Yeah, I think so. the influence that came up whenever she was younger, taking these, I'm I'm just kind of like projecting here on yeah. what I would think that she was definitely surrounded by radio. You know, this is early radio or mm -hmm. mid to late radio and media, like new television, new media and stuff like that. So this is how she was gaining awareness of like what was playing, what was not playing, what she was, because classical voice lessons, you're learning like classical music. You're not learning what's happening in the club downtown you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah you know? absolutely so it's 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 interesting that she chose to go with like the, i would say the vernacular i guess the common what's happening in the scene you know yeah she seems yeah, like a sure. scene person for me like busted like played all the clubs you know and then mm -hmm. came mm -hmm. through and just kind of did did it with purpose yeah yeah and to your your point about you know the shift from classical music and listening to the to the radio and things like that in her sort of like early operatic training um she once she, she said to uh or i don't know where she said it but i read it in scalawag magazine i don't know what the fuck mm -hmm. that is uh <laughs> she like said upstate new york music i know i would be surprised or something um <laughs> <laughs> uh, of her of her classical training she said i had swallowed this whole pill that society had given us that if it was classical and it was from europe it was legitimate um mm -hmm. you know so really that's mm -hmm. this idea that like oh you know you can you can be a singer but you have to operate sort of within this existing framework mm -hmm. you can't mm -hmm. you know go off on your own so in some ways um you know her dive into folk was really a rebellion and a sort of rejection of the traditional things she was sort of force-fed as, as you know just being a singer and being a, a young woman at that time yeah folk music being underground you know the people's yeah. the people's music i guess yeah, <laughs> <you could say. laughs> i don't know that that whole learning you know classical style is like interesting because a lot of people go down that path but a lot of people either don't do anything with it or they do the opposite of that and just go straight to you know what's happening in the scene 
So yeah. it's good yeah. that she's bridging these two elements together and really taking it as like a, um, a what she said was like a mu museum piece. Like each songs, each songs that she sings are kind of like museum pieces, hmm. so that you can listen to them later. Although some of the songs and some of the content that she's written about, or I mean, sung about, are not are like she wished that they had never been written. Such as like prison work songs and like uh, okay. spirituals and liberation songs and mm -hmm, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, her perspective, the way she positioned her outlook, was really interesting in that she had the western studies to and then now she has like the underground western studies you know yeah yeah absolutely she's like merging the two to really take it out the box totally um and as she, you know she continued her journey into folk music um she sort of made her initial fame playing uh the blue angel nightclub right here in new york city um and then at the tin angel in san francisco uh so this angel. is like 19 53 54 right um, i thought it was cool that i could learn about like more clubs in new york you know you hear yeah. about like you know like twilo and like pacha and stuff but you don't hear about like i have never heard of this club before no no and you know I, I think i read that she was also um you know appearing in cafes and coffee shops you know much you know more akin to like the greenwich village scene that you would think of when you think yeah, about this is, folk music and things yeah this club started fun fact 1934 blue angel started in 1934 i would i would say that is one based on what i've researched is one of the rarest desegregated clubs then hmm. uh it was one of the earliest venues that uh that premiered edith piaf's uh first oh, yeah. performances in the united states so that's interesting huh. so that's been around for a bit you know interesting so that's like going down in new york history for like clubs yeah, you know. yeah, absolutely. Um, so 53, 54, she's performing in clubs in New York, San Francisco. Um, and then she puts out her first album in 54, uh, which she records with the folk singer Larry Moore. Um, and I then like after the that, label. I like the record label name on that one. Fantasy Records. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's so fitting for that time, I guess, you know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so so before like all of the like, uh, I don't know, like weird uh, prog rock or something you might assume, yeah, like, assume yeah, a, yeah. a record label like Fantasy yeah, like, puts out yeah, yeah. <laughs> painted painted uh, vans and pink, stuff like that. With like pink vinyl, <laughs> they could do pink vinyl. Like that. <laughs> that's crazy. Hmm. Uh, so she put out the records just to kind of like close the loop in our history. Um, she put out the records Odetta sings ballads and blues in 56. Uh, at the Gate of Horn in 57. Um, and then Odetta sings folk songs in 63, which was one of the best albums, best selling albums. Yeah, of that, that, was, year. that was her, uh, I would say that was her first album. That was That's like her, her big... first major album, I would say. Yeah, her breakthrough, I would say. Yeah, her RCA, yeah. and it won for best selling folk album, which is crazy. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Uh, Odetta sings folk songs, right? In 1963? Yeah. On RCA? Yeah. Yeah. Which is. Huh wild I think. <laughs> you know is one of the best sellings well you said you also mentioned the odetta sync ballads and blues to yeah. tradition records out on tradition mm -hmm. records so fun fun fact about that is it was kind of funded by this woman named diane guggenheim who was an american mining heiress who played harp and harpsichord but mm. most influential as a patron of folk songs so she started traditional records and press Odetta's first real record, I would say. Interesting. And that is that of like the Guggenheims, I assume? Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to research. Actually, I mean, you would you would think if she's a mining heiress, that like that yeah, money also probably that family yeah. money probably went to establishing the art. Yeah, museum. that's what I was trying to find out. But I hit a dead end on, on Discogs. <laughs> that just had a photo. I'm like, okay, Discogs would have a this, thorough yeah. history of the Guggenheim family. No, no, this was uh, uh, the pseudonym was under Diane Hamilton. But and then there was a pseudonym for Diane Guggenheim. So that's that's tradition record. So, you know, I also with that, that's like kind of like a patron artist relationship in a like museum context, right? In this kind right, of right. like that's interesting, yeah. folk documentation, recording, archival kind of way, I think. Yeah, even though it was still like very current. Um, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I think that relationship was and how yeah. it played out. Just well, the, the parallel between the, you know how the museum institutions used yeah. to exist and yeah, 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 and yeah. artists and things like that. That's yeah. interesting. Um, so Odetta sings ballads and blues was also the record that convinced Bob Dylan to put down his electric guitar. So right, you know you always hear about you always hear about Dylan going electric, right? And everyone right. freaking out yeah, and yeah. losing their minds. Yeah. Um, but Dylan said the first thing that turned me on to folk singing was Odetta. I heard a record of hers called Odetta Sings Ballad and Blues in a record store back when you can listen to the records right there in the store. Uh, and he said, right then and there, I went out and traded my electric guitar and amplifier for an acoustic guitar, a flat top Gibson. That album was just something vital and personal. I learned all the songs on that record. So apparently he was playing electric guitar in a band that he was in in Minnesota when he was like a teenager. And that's mm -hmm. the record that basically <laughs> turned him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. What I, as you were reading that, like it just made me think: what is the content of folk music, or what is it about folk music that draws people together? Just in your opinion, I'm, there, I don't think there's any right answer or wrong answer. Yeah, no, totally. And I'm trying to think about the context of like life and popular music at that time, right? Because like 30s and 40s, you had like ragtime and jazz, and yeah. you know, going back big to the 20s, 20s, you have big band and swing and all that stuff, right? Oh, right. Her dad would take her to big band shows once a week. Oh, really? Okay, that's yeah, interesting. yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, and I you know, her, her dad and mom did, but yeah, yeah. I mean, jazz certainly had its own sort of, um, you know, oh, yeah. rebelli rebelliousness to it, especially as it mm -hmm, evolved mm -hmm, in the late 50s and mm -hmm. the 60s, you know, bop mm -hmm. and heart bop and stuff like that. We talked about that in our culture and episode, um. Yeah. But I think it is like just very much the music of the people. And like a lot of those songs that yeah, became yeah. early folk songs were adopted, like you said, from like, uh, you know, prison songs or spirituals or yeah. ballads, ballads of, of hard times. And it just feels like they were really accessible and people could just, right. you know, all you needed would really was an acoustic guitar. I'm and so, of, you know, it's both low yeah. cost. It's like very DIY. It's like. Yeah, it's hereditary know. music too, right? I think mm. that's what I think that's what it comes to mind whenever I shame. think of like music of the people because these are stories, right? Each mm -hmm. one of these songs are stories. She's she doesn't write that many songs. She's more of a performer. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, right? From what I've researched, it seems like she embodies other people's music in a sense and it reads to her or it she reads to her. She she says in an interview that words are super important to her. Mm -hmm. uh obviously they're important to a lot of things but there's some songs out there in the rep that are not in her repertoire because she doesn't feel it or it doesn't speak to her or hmm. she can't carry out the same tones of whatever that the song actually needs or wants so that's that, that was interesting yeah huh um so i have a quote actually that says you know, she's talking about blues and spirituals um, and sort of this is more leading to her work in the civil rights movement, which we'll get to. Um, but she said, there were two rivers running together. The words and the music captured the fury and frustration that I had growing up. So, you know, in that way that we're talking about songs that embody things, songs that are of the people, you know, are, are of the common common man at that time. Like that, mm -hmm. that all crests together for me. Um, yeah, and oh, yeah, that's what I would whenever, say. Whenever, whenever <laughs> this is a 1970 album that we're talking about, but this is just a pre. This is just a backstory. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, are you, I would honestly, say so we haven't even got to the album yet. You know, we could do like, a whole show before 1970. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's pretty, exactly. it's pretty wild. I mean, she's got yeah. a, a really fascinating history. Yeah, um, there's some cool stuff on YouTube about her, but I'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and that's kind of the fun part about like you know not knowing anything about these artists before mm -hmm. we you know uh, do do the show <laughs> yeah, it's, you yeah, know, yeah. it's often like uncovers this like fascinating stuff that i i literally never heard of uh um, yeah, it's like lifting a rock up and be like oh okay cool nice yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um so let's let's get close to 1970 before we play another song <laughs> sure okay um <laughs> Just so we can make sure make sure we get to everything we want to right, talk about. Right, right, right. <laughs> I didn't mean to make me self-conscious. No, 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 no. This is good. I like it. <laughs> um, 
So she appeared on live television with Harry Belafonte, um, who cited her as an influence. And she sang Waterboy and There's a Hole in My Bucket, which are two very sort of traditional songs. Um, she also uh, performed at the March on Washington in 1963, the famous yeah, civil rights demonstration. Yeah. I was actually um, trying to find some footage on that, but couldn't find it. But Interesting you say that. Yeah, uh, because there's a, a something I found that said, while the full sets of other artists who performed that day, including Dylan and John Baez, uh, both of whom cited her as an influence, those sets exist in full. But yeah. uh, the only audio footage that exists of Odetta's performance that day is less than a minute of one song. Oh, so man. it's very interesting. Dang. You know, while she is, you know, remembered as this as sort of generational figure by artists of her time, yeah. artists that came later. She was still a woman, an African-American woman in the 50s and 60s. Like there's, you know, there's still prejudice as well at play didn't here. didn't push the button on that one. Who didn't push the record button on that one? I don't know. Some <laughs> dumb-dumb. Some dumb-dumb. I would have done it. <laughs> oh, man. I think that's amazing um, because like we we know about this march. We know through history that, you know, Martin Luther King does this speech. All these people play yeah. it. And it's like a big monumental thing yeah. that really started like a whole fresh movement right and like this one person who really is remembered by a lot of people but not enough people because we didn't hear about them just yeah hey i was there we i sang the song you know and it's just yeah you know kind and of not crazy. that we're, we're the end all and be all clearly because we never heard of odata before this yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. it's just kind of crazy to you know this woman plays such a an important part in all of these artists' yeah. lives and I you know mm -hmm. you never heard a word about her before at least I've never had so um yeah it's fascinating stuff um so let's let's hear another track shall we um I think we were gonna play so this is a cover song um and I'll give you I'll buy you a beer if you can tell me who wrote the original um <laughs> so this is a cover song um called Mama Told Me Not to Come uh, the second track on Odetta's 1970 album, Odetta Sings. Will you have whiskey with your water? Or sugar with your tea? What are these crazy questions you asking me? Oh, this is the wildest party I ever did see. Don't turn on the lights, cause I don't want to see you. My mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. She said, that ain't the way to have fun. Oh. Open up the window, let some air into this room. I think I'm choking on the smell of stale perfume. And that cigarette you're smoking about to scare me half to death Open up the window, let me catch my breath My mama told me not to come Mama 
All right. If you didn't catch that, that song is called Mama Told Me Not to Come. <laughs> Second track on Odetta Sings. Uh, do you know who wrote that song originally? I'm not, no, I'm not gonna try to guess. No. <laughs> Randy, Randy Newman. I knew it. I knew it. I kind of knew it. I kind of had a clue. I really? Reading mom. Yeah, I kind of. I would know. Would have guessed that. Say it. But I guessed it that does. Like you just switch the voices. It's exactly like a song you would write. You know. It's so funny. Also, Randy Newman's still alive. I did not yeah, know. Yeah, man, he's killing the hits, dude. He's, <laughs> he's like sold his soul to Disney or something. I don't know. <laughs> he, he was computer animated for a long time, I think. Yeah. Um, just to add, we, I know we were supposed yeah. to talk about 1970 right now, but yeah, in 1968, there. she did mm-hmm. a concert for uh, Woody Guthrie. Ah. His, his memorial concert, which was kind of that's that's cool. Yeah, that's a cool. Then we should actually do a good uh, a Woody Guthrie um, album, actually, because he's yeah, I mean, so much songs. Speaking of folk, speaking of politics, yeah. very political guy. Yeah, yeah, another political but funny guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dark humor, <laughs> but she, yeah, uh, she. I don't know that that it just kind of comes across as what folk music is. It's cool that she went that way because is essentially black history you know blues yeah. and jazz and these songs that she decided to unearth during her albums and stuff it's it's uh there's a there's a line or no line of meshing of like the same kind of messaging yeah but just no. different styles you know yeah absolutely um and there's a there's a quote in new yorker i think that that um sort of continues to to bring this out um it says odetta and elvis presley both put out their first records in 1954 when there was nothing like pop music as we know it now color tv had just arrived but was not yet common there had not been there had not yet been any beatles james brown aretha franklin or rolling stones records some of the songs that would become staples of the white english blues movement were about to be introduced into the popular consciousness by odetta so I think yeah. that is a good like <laughs> just continues yeah. to sort of draw out the point that you're making in terms of, you know, how influential, influential. she was and how much, you know, what she was doing was really um, putting the black experience into song. And of course, we're we're not experts of African-American history or folk music by any means, but this, you know, based on um, the perspective. Know, yeah. 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 So, yeah, um, I think uh, just through all of her her schooling and um just wanting to sing she really has a passion for singing that's that's the great thing yeah and she really she really she really uh makes it apparent that it's about the music right like advice to people that she teaches in the down down the road says it's like just make it about the music right Mm -hmm. make it about the music then you can't really lose you know yeah yeah totally um and i was reading in in a source called lit hub that um you know her her voice is so powerful and it's like so uh you know sort of um it kind of it bowls you over almost you know the way that even yeah. even on the the cover song of Randy Newman like it's it's amazing there's some um, uh there's some um weight behind it yeah yeah she absolutely has lower she has the lower timbres that really a lot of women I wouldn't say a lot of women excuse me I would say um people like you know may not have Usually. yeah yeah the range is impressive because you know she can yeah. she can go very high but also go very low um and that's i think that's a technical way that you talk about singing ranches <laughs> um <laughs> but apparently she was incredibly shy on stage to the point where she yeah, would yeah. be introducing songs but like yeah. in a whisper like uh, you know so the audience could like almost barely hear her yeah, um, I, I think she's um she spends a lot of time with her family and just solo i think i think that's where i read somewhere oh, she's yeah? a very like um although it might seem like it because of her dossier like she's not really she she likes to spend time doing music stuff or right. being with herself really yeah yeah and you know apparently she was one of the first uh african-american women in like popular called popular culture to um wear her hair naturally as opposed to mm, to yes. straightening it out um and she was also uh you know she was a larger or woman which was i read in many of the quotes like describing reviews of her shows for better or worse more for the worse 
they often brought that up that she was like a large woman, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, she has, as far as how society and media, especially like, um, caters or talks about people like that, you know, she had many things going against her, but still managed to play such a pivotal role in this movement. It's really right. interesting. It's pretty, yeah, uh, I, you know, impressive. It's, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great that she like came up during this time. Like a lot of people are asking her about, you know, civil rights questions, how she got into civil rights, how she did this and how she did that. And like, she just, I think from the tone from the interviews I got from her, it was like, she was there, not at the right time at the right place, but she was coalescing with all the stuff that was happening at the same time in the sense that she was like reflecting from it and responding to it in yep. a sense of like i was in that environment so there's no question that i had to do that you know that's me paraphrasing but pretty much that's yeah. what i got yeah totally um i also read in LitHub that you know pete seeger another as i think we mentioned him earlier you know um yeah <laughs> one of the one of the most early people in american folk music great logo um, i guess you know pete really seeger or am I thinking of Bob Seeger? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of Bob Seeger. I'll, I'll pull up the logo because I used to work at a record store. And uh, that's funny. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah, I would be surprised if Pete Seeger had a had a logo, but that could be. But wrong. go on, I'll find it. I was just saying that, um, you know, his his sort of popularity was sort of dimming it in that time because of the McCarthy era witch hunts, which was uh, a big factor in American folk music, considering a lot of those politics were left, were radical, were sometimes communists. Um, yeah, that's definitely Bob Seger. <laughs> <laughs> a great, a great logo, nonetheless. Yeah, the 80s, like monochrome, you know. But the type is so good, but yeah, it's really good. We should do our show logo on that. <laughs> <laughs> we should, we should actually talk about the artwork on this one. I like yeah, this yeah. Um, um but, but so pete Seeger, uh mccarthy era you know so there's like witch hunts witch hunts going on and people in folk music are being accused of things uh but apparently he was one of the big people spreading the word about odetta um mm. and said about her she was astonish astonishingly strong and direct and wanted uh her songs to help the world to be a better place so um yeah you know, the way that, that the way that you know her politics and folk music naturally meshed is is really interesting um you know she did a cover album of dylan in 65 actually um right. and there's 12 that. 12 songs on that album uh and eight of them are like political songs yeah. um and again in the new yorker i have a ton of quotes because this is like she is such a influential person yeah. in folk yeah. music that i have like yeah. a million quotes so forgive me yeah. uh but in new yorker it says, uh, hearing Dylan's most famous protest songs transformed by a woman whose lived experience was so marked by the particular brand of American injustice that Dylan had observed at a, at a remove and indelibly described remains um, half a century later. A searing experience, and a gorgeous one. So, Yeah, she does it really well. She takes something that is also one to tell story, hereditary down the line to tell the story as like work work songs or prison songs however you want to call it liberation songs that's what they i like calling it i guess yeah. what they said on the radio show and kind of owned it yeah you know and this is a person that she had all the all talent abilities and qualities to own that mm -hmm. you know even though maybe she didn't write that many songs but the performance was real mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. great you know and her even like doing the research and being around this stuff, you know, with her family, this is, this is, uh, it goes deep. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. None of these songs were written down, really. That's what, what I think is so interesting about folk music. Uh, the way, the way it's passed along. Yeah, that history. how it's yeah. passed on. It's not written down music. It's not like Western music is written down. Everything has like form, it's very formulaic. These are right, just, right. even with the blues, you know? it's like handed down in a sense in a like a singer to singer musician to music musician kind of type of way or like yeah yeah as you're telling a story you know and everyone adds their own kind of spin to it as well yeah yeah exactly, you know? exactly. um you know i saw her do a performance i think it was the Her the harry belafonte performance um 
of the water boy and her she's doing this like kind of like guttural like uh hey i think she's like hey but she's it doesn't sort of like guttural way like uses a guitar as like a uh, like a pseudo drum at different times and stuff like that and it's just like the spin that everyone is able to put on these songs because while they were written in one context someone's hearing them in another and then possibly even performing them in a very different context from those other two yeah so the way that you know that it, you know it's not dissimilar from you know a game of telephone or something the way that the right message originally and how it how it translates as it goes back mm -hmm. out into the world it's it's a fascinating process yeah on top of that she's playing the guitar the guitar is cool yeah yeah you know, absolutely it's like rhythmically i guess she she got the guitar at like 19 or she started playing seriously with it on 19. yeah so that's another you know usually you're a singer a performer you're just singing songs with the band but you're uh once you're adding rhythm to these songs you're writing the song essentially because i would say i would think before you weren't writing these songs down you're singing it just through melody and yeah. rhythm there but obviously like you said you could switch it up and add your own twist to it yeah absolutely um there was another quote that i just had and now i lost it <laughs> it's all right <laughs> what um, um let's see where are we at so i would uh, i have a couple I have, I have more quotes um kind of you know that i think help describe sort of her where she where her background and then kind of mm -hmm. how she got to where she is and also mm -hmm. why possibly we've never we have not heard about her in the way that i think we probably should have okay. um so there's actually a 33 and a third book about uh her album one grain of sand which mm -hmm. I, I had no idea um but in that book she's quoted as saying you know they told me in grammar school as we were reading about slavery that the slaves were happy and singing all the time there was a time that was at a time when i felt and i think we all go through this it couldn't be in the book if it weren't true mm -hmm. and i believed i swallowed that whole thing and it damaged me i still have scars from that um and then another quote in back in we're back scallywag magazine uh and this is actually a 2020 rolling stone interview but the musicologist and classically trained vocalist Rannon giddens observed that black artists are being written out of folk and country music history adding that folk festivals were thinly veiled attempts to recast traditional folk and country music as white mountain music as part of a project to create a white ethnicity so fascinating stuff you know yeah. why we always hear about pete Seeger and bob dylan and you know joni mitchell and joan baez like that's it i you know i had never really thought about that before but hearing it it does feel like it makes sense i mean you you think about these folk music festivals yeah. that exist today yeah and i'm sure they're tr they're making efforts to be more diverse um but you, I mean, you think, can't really you can't really shy away from it or even not acknowledge it because it's all in the music yeah. <laughs> you know yeah no matter what the appearances are it's in the it's baked in as a dna in the music mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the dna of the music has cultural history that you can't get out of you know that's intangible that's baked in there yeah you know, it would, you know it, where that comes from and interesting to me like and i think part of the reason i personally never really got super deep into folk music is the lyrics tell the whole story, right? It's not so mm -hmm. much about the music itself, which is sort mm -hmm. of the thing that I gravitate to first mm -hmm. when I hear new music. Mm -hmm. um, it's really about the lyrics. And so it's yeah interesting to sort of hear, you know, as you as you read more of these lyrics and listen to more of these songs to read these things. And I've never, I don't know, I never put it together like, oh, Bob Dylan, maybe, <laughs> maybe this doesn't really work. <laughs> Like, you know, I, was like I'm, I'm sure there's Bob Dylan freestyle just, you know, in a yeah. storytelling kind of way. It's interesting. I'm, I honestly you know? like I can appreciate Bob Dylan and how much he has written. I am not the biggest fan on like, don't go to myself and be like, oh, I got to put a Bob Dylan record on and listen to it. I'm not that kind of person. But yeah, I don't know Dylan super well. Yeah. And this is this record specifically is it's folk enough where like, Okay, I hear the folk, but I hear so much more gospel and blues and stuff, which obviously some folk music has come from that, from yeah. 
churches and stuff like that you know absolutely absolutely like so yeah yeah it's uh it's a meat grinder <laughs> <laughs> um so last you know last time on our show we talked about uh some awards and honors that um neil young had i think he's like a, a knight of the canadian republic or some shit like that uh in 99 president bill clinton <clears throat> presented odetta with the national endowment for the arts national medal of arts yeah that seems like a, a <laughs> repetitive thing is that what it says that's what it says uh national the national endowment for, for the, the arts, arts is national, national medal, medal of arts, of arts. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's exactly wikipedia man yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, she and then he's quoted as saying, "She is the reigning queen of American folk music, reminding us all that songs have the power to change the heart and change the world." Um, 2004, she was honored at the Kennedy Center with a Visionary Award, uh, along with a tribute performance by Tracy Chapman. Um, sorry, now I'm just going through random trivia because number f- n- my favorite you didn't get to, but oh, okay, go ahead. My favorite was the Library of Congress. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> living legend award oh shit in 2005 that's really? i didn't even know you could get a a real <laughs> award for that and <laughs> the library of congress man i thought that's just something that people said you know like oh that's a living legend you know yeah yeah you know there's actual war like a award show or award that you give <laughs> living well, legend and, award that's strong well in 2001 two days after 9 11 okay. letterman had Odetta come on and she was the first artist to perform on a show after it came back on air. Um, and apparently he had had her on a few times, like throughout his, his, uh, reign of, of late night hosting. But, uh, you know, it's just, it still baffles me that like, she's not more well-known in the popular. Yeah. Lexicon. Do you think it's positive? Do you think it's because it, even though like her 1963 album was like the most, the best selling folk album do you think it's because she didn't really cross over to like gospel or blues or, or pop popular or music something? you know because yeah, like aretha, yeah. aretha franklin easily, kind yeah, of got yeah. like very pop throughout the years yeah, right from gospel to yeah exactly yeah so. when i was reading after like the early 70s she didn't do a whole lot of she didn't put out a whole lot of music in like 20 years mm. um so for you know roughly 20 years she hadn't put out an album you know i think she was touring i think she was playing festivals and things like that but yeah um definitely playing festivals i think she was doing that a lot yeah popular music changed quite a bit (laughs) during that time so i imagine that it might have been like a little intimidating to kind of come back and try to re-engage into that um let's play one more song before we kind of talk about her lasting legacy and some of the artists that she influenced um we're gonna listen to Give a damn. If you take a train with me uptown through the misery of ghetto streets in morning light. They're always nights Take a window seat Put down your times You can read between the lines Just meet the faces that you meet Beyond the window's pane And it might begin to reach you Why you'd give a damn about your fellow sleep sometimes with rats instead of nursery rhymes with hunger and your other children by her side and I wonder if you share your bed with something else that must be fed for fear may lie beside you or it may sleep down the hall and it might begin to reach you Why are you to give a damn about your fellow man? Come and see how well despair is seasoned by the stifling air See your ghetto in the good old sizzling summertime Suppose the 
the streets were all on fire The flames like tempers leaping higher Suppose you lived there all your life Do you think that you could smile? And it might begin to reach you Why you'd give a damn about your fellow man Okay, that was Give a Damn. That was part of Give a Damn. Off of the like Dennis Sings. Yeah, I feel like that came out of like a Quentin Tarantino movie or something. <laughs> well, it's funny. It, it was, uh, you know, I just noticed this right before the show. Uh, I hadn't noticed this earlier when I was doing research, but it was actually the anthem for the New York Urban Coalition. Mm. Even though it says it in on Spotify, it says theme song of the New York Urban Coalition. Yeah. <laughs> but that was apparently a campaign that started in 1968 by Mayor Lindsay. Or no, I'm sorry, 67 by Mayor Lindsay uh, to support the needs of urban economically disadvantaged residents uh, by assisting with children's education, adult job training, uh, aid to minority businesses, and help and helping to deal with the unscrupulous landlords and rent gouging. Glad that's all sorted. And then that's still yeah, not that, they really sort that one out. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> but part of the the impetus behind the slogan and sort of the anthem that was written, and she didn't she didn't write the anthem, but um ended up covering it. Um it was kind of like to prod liberal middle class voters mm. uh who put elected Lindsay rather, uh, who was a, a Republican of all, uh, surprisingly, was, uh, like a very socially liberal Republican. Mm-hmm. You know, what what a that's time to be alive. It used to be back then, dude. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, that's what it used to be. It used to be switched. But if you listen to the lyrics, it says like, "Put down the New York Times and like look out the window at the city around you." Like, <laughs> it's kind of like crumbling and fucked up, and you know, people are going yeah. hungry and there's rats yeah. and you know, so they're you know, because at that point, a lot of people were living in Westchester. They were living in you know, uh, upstate. They were yeah. living just you know, outer off the metro north. Yeah, they were living in the outer boroughs, and so like. I don't know. It's it's a both. It's it's a great representation of sort of her politics, but also I think it's very folky. Um, yeah, and it's really interesting yeah, that um, a mayor came up with the can. You imagine Mayor Adams coming up with a campaign <laughs> called "Give a Damn." Yeah, I don't know who would you sing that, it. Who do you, you think would sing it? Who give do you a think shit first? Which rapper would Mayor Adams pick? Oh God! Any <laughs> anyone who would like get him into the back room of a, a swanky club. Anyway, oh, this is, that's not the. This isn't that show. <laughs> I say ludicrous, maybe since he's maybe. in all those movies. Yeah, and because <laughs> but he's Adams. not from New York, so no, no. Maybe Dan uh, is alive, probably. <laughs> all right, all right, um, So we didn't we didn't say uh, what l- label this album came out on. Uh, we got we just like dove right into it. I think we we're excited. Um, <laughs> so this came out in December of 1970 on Polydor, uh, her right. only record for the label. Um, partly recorded at Muscle Shoals, which we talked about uh, when we talked about Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. uh, down in Alabama, and also mm-hmm. partly at Larrabee Sound Studios in LA, uh, right. produced by John Boylan, who, much like uh, Odetta, was sort of immersed in the Greenwich Village folk scene and then yeah, he was like a country a sort of rock out in LA. So, yeah. He, like he helped form student. the Eagles, though. So. Yeah, he did help from the Eagles. That's the- Thumbs down to John Boylan is what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. I, I feel like whenever you think of folk music or like big folk music or classic rock or something, you think of the Eagles or something. I don't know. Light rock. I don't know what you call the Eagles, but yeah, the Eagles are I call it trash. So this like folk music, <laughs> like I think there was an interview where she was saying like, yeah, the industry just tells you what to listen to. And at that time, it just so happened to be folk music. So all the, anybody that was writing folk music at the time was getting a spotlight on them at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah. So to, because of the, the lyrical content, because of what was happening, mm-hmm. or inequality, civil rights, you know? So mm-hmm. what you said really mattered. What you wrote down really mattered. It wasn't just putting out content to put out content. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I have a quote from Mercury that, that talks about sort of her her legacy. Um, and it says, Odetta was the spark that helped ignite the folk revival of the late 50s and early 60s. She sang ballads and prison songs with a passion and intensity that attracted a host of young followers. 
Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, um, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, she had an, she made an impact even on the budding rock scene with Roger McQuinn of the birds and Ray Davis of the kinks and later Elvis Costello, all influenced by her musical talents. Yeah. Storytelling folk music. I think that's what it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, other Did you have artists a pop quiz earlier. Uh, I have some, I do have some more trivia. I will say that okay. <laughs> I do have some other trivia. Okay. Uh, um, I talked about some of it already. I will say, let's see. Um, did you know she acted in some films in 1955, 61, and 74? Uh, she acted in a, in some films uh, and appeared on big. an episode of the TV series Have Gun, Will Travel. <laughs> yeah, she was Which, big because I was watching a, a video of her on Sesame Street. Oh. It was that. like a special guest on the whole episode of Sesame Street. Huh. Yeah. It's on YouTube. Um, you gotta check it out. At her memorial service, uh, my Angelou was there. Pete Seeger, Harry Balafonte, Jeffrey Holder, Steve Earle, uh, Pete, Peter Yarrow, Maria Moldauer, Tom Chapin, Josh White, Emery Joseph, Rattlesnake Annie. Uh, video tributes from Tavis Smiley and Joan Baez. When do you think she lo- relocated to New York? Because she passed away at Lenox Hill Hospital in 2008, and. What? I don't see in New York City. I, I would say yeah. she to I don't know. I'm sure she was there a lot. You know, she was singing with the boys choir for mm-hmm. the show for Letterman and stuff like that. So I'm sure she traveled a lot, but I think New York was like her spot. Yeah, I think she may eventually made her home here. Um other fun trivia is that hit or miss I found two places where hit or miss was sampled. Uh um, oh, yeah. How'd one you find that out. Because I'm good at research. Fact <laughs> <laughs> <back> checking you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, there's a sample site. There's a site called like whosampled.com. <laughs> uh, behind the curtain. Um, the Chemical Brothers sampled uh, yeah. Hit or Miss on the song oh, Electro yeah. Electro Bank. Oh, yeah. Which the video for uh, has a super young Sofia Coppola in it and was directed by Spike Jones who wow. famously you know directed the movie her and a, a bunch of beastie boys videos and many other things um also sampled on the dj shadow and cut chemist collaboration brain freeze which checks out the because dj artists, shadow like, yeah i did you know let's yeah. let's let's make a show about chemical brothers and dj shadow who did you not sample <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun trivia question it would just be us reading samples for an hour <laughs> <laughs> Um, similar quotes related to her influence Um, Joan Baez said Odetta was a goddess her passion moved me I learned everything she sang Uh, Janis Joplin who apparently spent much of her adolescence listening to Odetta um, was Odetta was the first person that Janis imitated when she started singing Uh, John, John Waters whose original screenplay for Hairspray mentions Odetta as an influence on the beatniks and that sort of alternative culture um and carly simon who cited odetta as a major influence and told uh you know is quoted as going weak in the knees when she had the opportunity to meet odetta in greenwich village so you know heavy hitters of folk in alternative communities yeah as as a big influence yeah she put out a lot of stuff she had made a lot of appearances it's i'm just looking at her discography here on wiki and Mm -hmm. From 1954, she released something, you know, <laughs> between from 1954 all the way till now, you know, until yeah. 2005. Yeah. She released a bunch of stuff and make made appearances and stuff. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the catalog is pretty extensive. Yeah. And as you, as you were saying before, like so many of her, the, her catalog is, is covering songs or, or reinterpreting songs on this but, album alone. You know, we already talked about Randy Newman, but you have songs by Paul McCartney, James Taylor, Elton John, the Rolling Stones. I mean, these are heavy hitters. Yeah, she um, made a lot of collabs, dude. She made a collab with Nick Cave. She made a collab with Nick Cave? Yeah, in 1998. Nick Cave, the Nick Cave we did in the show, or Nick Cave, yeah, the visual Nick artist? Cave. Yeah, Nick Cave we did in the show. No shit. Yeah. I'm Talk about 
collaborations I was not expecting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy who did a full album about murder. <laughs> yeah. So she was like collaborating with people. You yeah. Know? yeah. Pretty much from 1959, she did like albums and then really whenever uh, 80s hit, she was 80s and the 90s, she just boom, just collabed with everybody. Started like doing more appearances on people's songs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think on her repertoire, you know, regardless of how she sort of memorialized and, you know, the fact she never seemingly really got her due at the time, it seems yeah. that the, the influence was just immense and could not be greater in yeah, terms of the people know. who respected her, both yeah. for her vocal talents, her guitar playing, but also, you know, the message and the politics behind what she was doing there weren't um, that and many the way she was people, doing it. Yeah, there weren't that many girls playing guitars like that. I would say like acoustic folk music guitars other than Joan Baez and a few other people, but hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like rhythmically yeah. putting that kind of energy behind, I would say. Right. In terms of that, the popular sort of lexicon. It could totally easy been like, I'm a, like a R&B country singer. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Actually, she could have went that way, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I guess totally. was being or she could have stayed in the operatic traditional yeah, classical that, music yeah, too. Yeah. She probably could have made a yeah. hell of a career out of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. um, well, as we wrap up, Ton, anything else to say about this album or about Odetta? Um, no, I'm glad to be introduced to her. Absolutely. I, I echo that and definitely encourage people to check her out. Um, definitely check it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we play a song to lead us out, uh, I just want to say thank you, uh, for listening. Thank you to Montez press radio for having us. Um, if you have comments, suggestions, um, you know, tips, tricks, the whole thing, uh, you can email us at TNT radio NYC at gmail.com tnt.radio on Instagram. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, you can rate us, you can review us, give us, give us those things. <laughs> and hey, check out Ton's new EP. Uh, maybe not quite as new as it was a few months ago, but still newish <laughs> on Spotify. Uh, working on some stuff right now. We'll be, we'll, we'll be out soon. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Um, all of our episodes. This is episode six of season four. So we got some back episodes, y'all. Uh, they're all on our podcast feed. Um, 40 something i think 48 or something like that we're getting there no yeah. this is totally. yeah we're getting there so we're almost up to the 50th episode man we're gonna have a party <laughs> yeah i don't know we we maybe people could email us if anybody wants to us. <laughs> <laughs> come and tell us sonar <laughs> man page, page, page me beat me um <laughs> so next month ping me uh, <laughs> Next month, we'll be back uh, on Montez Press Radio on July 26th. And we're going to be doing the album Jerusalem by uh, a woman named... Uh, I played a pronunciation of her name because I will butcher it and we will likely figure out how to address that going forward. But uh, the album is on Spotify and it's really good. It's called Jerusalem. Uh, it's got a black and white cover if you're trying to figure like out what the hell we're talking about. Piano, jazzy, analog-y type, spiritual, kind of cool. I think yes. it's our introduction to, very introduction to, I don't know, world. World music. Inside the USA world music. Music from the African <laughs> continent. Music from the African continent that's not yeah, Afrofunk exactly. or something like yeah, that. Exactly, so, exactly. Um, so we'll be doing Jerusalem next month. Um, and to take us out... We're going to hear the song No Expectations, originally written by the Rolling Stones uh, and performed by Odetta. So, Ton, anything else to add? Nope. Have All right. a good time and wait for the next episode. <laughs> Come back. All right. <laughs> this is folks. not the only episode you listen to. <laughs> We're a little unhinged today. Um, all right. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, this is No Expectations by Odetta. Take care. Take me to the station 
no expectations to pass by here again. Once I was rich, now I am so poor. Never in my sweet, sweet life have I felt like this or before. Like a diamond, you throw your pearls at swine, and as what you leave in me, you packed, baby, you packed. I'm a peace of mind. Splashes on a stone. Our love is like our music. It's here. And then it's gone. So oh, take me to the Airport. Strap me in the plane. I got no expectations to pass through here again. I won't pass by here again.